welcome to Learn to Listen. Today we are joined by Sarah Kolzak, current or fellow and co-founder of Soul and Flow, a wellness experience and community to connect deeper to your higher selves through mind, body, soul, and flow. We chat about Sarah's experience growing up as a performer and my experience growing up as uh, a musical performer. She was a dancer. And she talks about her background as a ballerina and sometimes the toxic culture that can surround the world of dance, which I thought it was just so interesting. And she was so impressive in how she talked and reflected on her past experiences. We also chat about what it's like to work out in front of a mirror in a tight uniform, what that looks like. And that's kind of something that I had internally thought about, but not really express that to someone else. So it was such a relief to hear that other people um, had a similar sentiment and had thought about that as well. We've related to so many things and I am so impressed by Sarah and she really walks us through how she left her dancing career and started to pursue her yoga practice and becoming certified and eventually founding Soul and Flow with her business partner and co-founder. It was so interesting to hear what she had to say about their relationship with her business partner as well, because I cannot relate to that. So it was so cool to get that perspective. I was so blown away and so impressed by this conversation, and I hope you will be too. So with that, please enjoy this week's episode. So welcome. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us on this week's episode of Learn to Listen. I'm so happy to have you and so thrilled that our listeners get to hear all about your amazing experiences in undergrad and the program that has connected us, as well as your own wellness experience that you've crafted a community around. So welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thanks. I'm very excited you asked me to join. It's so much fun. I was so excited to get to like talk to you today. Um, I thought it'd be great if we could kick it off with starting where you're from. I should honestly know this information, but just from only meeting you, like, I guess like seven months now we've been in the Orr Fellowship. Um, so like where you're from and uh, like where you went to school, your background, you know, those typical icebreaker questions. Yeah. So my name is Sarah Kolzak. Um, I grew up in Westfield, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. So I've been an indie girl born and raised my whole life. <laughs> um, I, like I said, grew up in Westfield, um, went to school at Purdue. Um, so I actually started out in kinesiology. So I guess Ooh. we can back it up a little bit more even. Please do. Um, so I was a ballet dancer in a pre-professional ballet company for 14 years um, in high school and obviously a little bit before that. So I was just very interested in like the human body. Um, I mean, I guess even just kind of like that wellness space from a young age um, and thought that I wanted to be a physical therapist specifically for athletes and dancers. Um, that happened for about a year and a half. And then I got into chemistry at Purdue <laughs> And I realized that maybe, maybe STEM wasn't the route for me. Um, mm -hmm. yep. And it also <laughs> was just kind of like a transition of having this creative outlet my whole life to then like not having it in college um, and shifting, you know, a little bit into figuring out what that was for me. Um, so I changed my major to communication, later declared public relations and strategic communication. Um, and absolutely loved it. I love writing, love 
you know, all of the communication things, talking to people. Um, so that's kind of how I found myself in this type of industry. And then post-grad, like you said, we're in the OR fellowship together. Um, so I'm currently working for OneBridge, which is a data analytics consulting firm um, in Zionsville. So I am on our people ops team and do community engagement, which catches a lot of different things. So managing a lot of really high level strategy for a lot of our people initiatives. So whether that's corporate communication, new employee orientation, um, other just engagement programs at the organization, that's kind of my bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on your plate, it sounds like. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, that's, I, I knew that you, um, that you were a ballet dancer and I kind of forgotten about it. So I'd love to dive into that. When did you start dancing? Yeah. So I started dancing when I was four, I think okay. with just yep. like the baby classes, like once a week. And it's actually really funny because I remember like specific memory ingrained is I did not want to do my first performance. I would like cried in my family's oh my living gosh. room. Like again, distinct memory of just like my mom had the costume like on the hanger and she was like, look how cute it is. Like, don't you want to perform? Aww. And I was like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and my dad was like, we paid for it. So actually you are. And then I did it and then loved it. And then 14 years later, um, you know, just got pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Understandably. So too, that's so funny. I feel like, I wonder if that's like a common trend with just like performing, like the performing arts. Cause mm-hmm. I, so I was much older, so I probably wasn't as justified, <laughs> but I remember when I was taking piano lessons in the fifth grade is when I started. And I, I distinctly remember like not wanting to perform my first time Cause I was yeah. very nervous. Of course, you know, you're like, you know, your spotlight's on you, especially if you're not like that type of person to be like, Oh, you know, I love being in the spotlight. And mm-hmm. I remember my like family being like so supportive coming to watch me, like my friends. And I was like, that honestly made it worse. Cause if I messed up, I was like, right. I don't want any, any evidence of it, but you know, all was said and done. I remember performing and then having it after it was done, I was like extremely proud of myself and happy that I did it. I mean, I'm sure at four, you might not mm-hmm. remember as distinctly those, um, like kind of the feeling after the performance, but I'm curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was a really like shy kid. So I think that kind of made sense. And I've, I've always been a little bit of a perfectionist, you know, <laughs> a little perfectionism, a little anxiety mixed in there. Right. Yeah. With, like maybe that wasn't the best combo as a child, but like, I'm not shy now as you probably know. <laughs> so I mean, maybe it helps me like bust out of my shell a little bit. I don't know, but, but yeah, after that, I always really loved it. Um, so that's good. Yeah. Did you, so 14 years, I'm trying to like do the math. Is that like right before you went to college then? Yeah. So I danced all the way through my senior year of high school. I've always been like a very commitment driven type person where it's like, it was ingrained in me from when I was really young that like, if you start something out, like you finish it. Um, So I had even like thought about maybe stopping my senior year and then again, it was just that feeling of like, no, I need to follow this through and like finish it out strong. Like that's kind of what I always dreamed of. Like your senior year, like in the dance company was like big. Cause you're a leader and you know, you're starting to get those bigger roles and have more responsibilities. So, um, that was something that was like big for me. And I just loved it. Like I said, I've 
always been a creative person and that was like really my creative outlet. So it's kind of like, what am I going to do with my time if I stop this? But <laughs> right, it was definitely intense. So like when I was in high school, I was in like our senior company. Um, and so I was dancing like four hours a night, like five days a week and then all day on Saturdays. So it was basically like, I went to school. I came home for maybe like 20 minutes to change, went mm-hmm. to dance, was there for four hours, got home at nine o'clock, ate dinner, did my homework, showered, went to bed, repeat the next day. So I didn't really know any different. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so, so yeah, I did that for many years. Yeah. <laughs> many hours. Yes. Yeah. I mean, too, well, you said it like was intense. And I had a couple of friends growing up who like on the, their whole weekend was dedicated to like dance competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't, I'm not super well-rounded in knowing like the different, um, I guess like the different sectors that you fall into, but I know there's like the competitive dance, which is like, you're going mm-hmm. at it. Like it kind of consumes your life. Um, was the dance company like a high school team or like more of competitive dance team? So it actually wasn't either. <laughs> oh my God. See, yeah, see, I'm learning. <laughs> That's like all I know. So is... <laughs> you're all good. It was like through my studio. So okay. like we were all basically in the company. And like I said, it was pretty professional. So it kind of was almost like a track to get you into either like a college program or like a professional company. Um, so like we didn't really compete. It was more so like performance focused I I did like one competition a year which was youth American Grand Prix so like that's kind of what that sector like competes in once a year and they have like scouts and stuff like that and we would always go to like a like festival regionally and then one year two years actually I went to like a national one where we would just like take classes all day and there would be like college like what are they called scouts, scouts. yeah yeah scouts. okay <laughs> I, like, I don't know I know that um, I recruiters <laughs> there it is oh okay that's yeah. another word for it <laughs> um so like I had been recruited by like a couple of college programs too so it was more so like getting you on a track to be in a professional company one day okay that that makes a ton of sense um did you want to like dance in college at all or you like you said like you're kind of you know, you're kind of <laughs> happy with your, your commitment after 14 years and then, um, like wanted to go to college and not have dance be a part of your life. Yeah. So I had thought about it. Um, and I was always more so like my company's resident, like contemporary dancer, like contemporary modern was more my thing than ballet. And everybody else is like walking around as like a little bun head. <laughs> I was like, let's roll on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I could have seen myself going into more so like a contemporary program and then like a modern company um, versus like strictly ballet. I mean, when you think ballet, you think like American Ballet Theater, New York City Ballet, Pacific Northwest Ballet. Maybe you don't think of those, but that's what I think of. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say um, that kind of went <laughs> right over my head, but <laughs> I love that. That was such a big yeah. part. <laughs> so there's like some smaller more like modern companies that I might have wanted to be a part of. Um, but I actually like sustained an injury my senior year. So I had an impingement in my ankle. Um, so essentially I had Achilles tendonitis and I have an extra bone in my foot. So every time that I would like go up on point, like a point shoe where you're like literally standing on your toe, 
my extra <laughs> bone and my foot would crush the tendon Ooh, every wow. single time. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. So the only solution for that was like to have surgery, but I'm very stubborn. So I didn't want to have surgery my senior year and be out. So I kind of made the decision like early on that year to just like dance through it, do my last year and then kind of hang it up after that. Um, which was interesting. And like at the time that I stopped, I was like super burned out anyways, which like happy to talk about burnout, happy to talk about body image, Let's and do body, it. like whatever. <laughs> Let's go there. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> what do you think we're here for? <laughs> Yeah. The tea. <laughs> Please. I know it's like such a community. I have one friend right now um, yeah. who I can think of who's like professionally pursuing her dance career in ballet and it's crazy. So I'd, yeah. I'd love to, you know, teach me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I was very burnt out by the time that I stopped. Um, so I didn't do like anything at Purdue my first semester. And then no, actually I did take a class. They had like a very small dance program, um, at Purdue. So I took classes my like first semester and then second semester freshman year, like was in their kind of company and performed again. And then it just really solidified for me of like, okay, I need to like find something else. I loved this at one point. I'm sure if I like went back and did it like joyfully for myself again, I would find that again. But again, at, at that the time, point, it just kind of like yeah. solidified for me that it was like, okay, you're burned out. You need to find a new hobby. <laughs> yeah. You need to pivot. Um, right. <laughs> and was, was that when you started focusing more on yoga? Yes. Yeah. Look at these connections. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Love it. But before so, yeah. we go there, I do want to learn about okay. the burnout. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just swing back and forth the burnout and the body image. Cause I, I can't imagine, um, being, I mean, I, I didn't do any professional dancing, like, and I say professional, like taking classes, even when I was younger, um, mm-hmm. which probably would have helped me as an adult if I had, but I really didn't like no rhythm as a kid whatsoever. And really not the confidence to like go out and dance either. I was much more of a, like mm-hmm. any performing arts, it was like staying still and like not a ton of movement, just like piano, um, and guitar is really, I mean, but I'm so jealous of that though, because <laughs> I always wanted to learn how to play piano. I think I still will learn at some point in my life. You definitely but... should. It's, it's great. It's so soothing uh, and I've gotten away from it a little bit. Um, but I still like, I mean, I have a keyboard in my room. It's, it's so nice oh, to just like that. have it right there. Um, but I always learned how to, or wanted to learn how to do yoga. I've done a couple of classes, so maybe we can teach each other. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But so tell me, what do you think? I mean, like uh, besides the time of like how much time you committed to ballet was like some of the burnout from like the community or just like the exhaustion of like how much you were pushing yourself or how much like your you know, your teachers, your peers, maybe family were just like encouraging you. So you felt like, you know, I had to like see through, see my dedication and my commitment through. Yeah. So I think a big part of it is that, you know, especially in ballet, you're always striving for this image of perfect that can never be reached. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think like for some people, like that's super motivating, but specifically in the way that like 
it was being taught in my environment was like very toxic, um, where, you know, there was usually always at least like one or two people like in our class, like in our group of friends too, that were deemed like, this is what, these are the types of people that you need to be, whether that's like in your movement or what you look like. Like it was very, just like wanting to create almost like a cookie cutter environment versus like now I'm at a point where I can look back and recognize and be like, oh my gosh, this person was actually great at X, Y, Z. And I actually had strengths in these areas, but at the time it was very much. So just like, if you don't fit this mold or this image, or even if like, you don't fit in this costume that this girl wore before you, like you're not good enough. So you can see how over time that would like wear down on a person yeah Um, definitely eat away at the confidence too at such like a pivotal age and you know right school and high school of where you're trying to find yourself yeah I could definitely see that yeah and you're in your adolescence and your teenage years and you're staring at yourself for four hours a night in just a leotard and tights which is basically nothing Mm -hmm. um like from every angle you're seeing yourself which is not also not a normal experience um so yeah, just like very formative years. And also I feel like in the dance community too, like, I mean, just wanted to give like a trigger warning, like eating disorders are like very normalized where like now, again, I like talk to my group of friends, like now we're all kind of out of that ballet world and we talk now and it's like, we all were at a later point, like diagnosed with eating disorders. And at the time, like had zero zero clue that we were even like struggling with that because that's just like what was normal so again just like a whole storm of different things put together leaning to burnout and just like I don't even know burnout even encompasses everything right yeah but yeah just like environment who you are as a person too like I mean I said I've always like struggled with perfectionism and being in that environment probably didn't help with that. So, yeah. And thank you for sharing. And I, I think that is a, a well, I think one, it's like tragic too, because it is so normalized and, and like in the dance world, especially like you said, having the leotard and tights that you're wearing. And when you were speaking to that, it reminded me of, we had a swimmer come on earlier, um, in the, like earlier in the season of the podcast. And she was talking about like having to be in her swimsuit and having like little coverage and how you were just like Mm -hmm. eating away at all your thoughts. And it really resonated with me because I was a swimmer in my, Mm -hmm. like, Oh gosh, I don't even want to know how many years, like, I think like till I was 13. So I think it was, yeah, like give or take like 10 or so years. And then I went into rowing, which is like still more coverage but mm-hmm. you're like in this skin tight, <laughs> we call it, um, a uni, but like, it's yep. not a cute thing it is not flattering <laughs> at all. And we kind of make like a joke of it, but you're just like, Oh my God. And especially rowing too. Like, you're just like hunched over, you're in so much pain. So you'd like see yourself in pictures and you're like, Holy crap. Like, Oh my God, I do not look cute, whatever. Um, so it, it that kind of stands out for me too. Cause I growing up mm-hmm. did have to kind of be like super aware of how triggering that could be for me of like playing the comparison game. And especially in pictures, like even now when I'm older, I have to not, I have to consciously work myself out of that, 
like mental game that you can play with yourself of being mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not like that person. Therefore, my value yeah. decreases. And that sounds exactly like what you were saying. I don't think burnout really encompasses that, but just yeah. like how exhausting it is on every front. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up that note of like your self-worth too, like basing mm-hmm. all of that off of that. And I think it's just interesting too. Again, now I feel like I have a very different perspective of like than when I was in it. And it's so interesting because like dance and ballet, like that's an art. And I mean, to me, like anything could be art, like rowing can be art just based on like how you look at it. And like art is so much more about like the experience than like the aesthetic. So it just like makes me wonder, like, how would that experience be different if like the dance studio didn't have mirrors, like the yoga studios that I practice at now, I like intentionally make sure that like it doesn't have a mirror. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, when you're rowing, like what, what, how would that experience have been different if like someone wasn't taking pictures of you rowing yeah. and it was just more so about like you remembering that and like internalizing that experience you had? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sense, no, but... that's a, no, no, no. That <laughs> makes perfect sense. And I was thinking about that because like, I was trying to picture myself in a dance studio and like ballet and it's always like, like the whole room is mirrored mm-hmm. or at least like a whole wall. Um, and I think that is like such a little nuance that I related to. Cause I'm like, my eyes like are trained on the floor so that I'm not watching myself in the mirror. So like mm. a fear of what I would see. And I still find myself like, even if I'm in the gym with mirrors, like I am not looking in the mirror because like, God no. bless. I'm like, I don't even want to <laughs> see I'm like, I'm like, I'm here to work out. And I know it's been such a journey to not look in the mirror when I'm like yeah. doing something that I, I would probably like, be like oh my god like I look terrible um especially because like as much as I want to be that person who works out in the gym in like a cute workout set I'm very much not like <laughs> it is <laughs> I work out in like fully functional um like <laughs> gear and it's like mismatched colors and patterns whatever yeah but like to your point of bringing up I wonder how different it would be if it was just you didn't have the mirrors like you didn't have the options and like collegiate rowing too like when we're at big races you didn't have a video or like camera mm-hmm. and it's cool if like when you get a shot that you like like oh my god that's so rewarding but like yeah. more often than not the shots are not cute <laughs> um right. at least in my experience yeah <laughs> I think that's a that's a great point and I'm curious to hear what you'd say about this yoga you kind of touched on it but yoga is like very very uh internal and mm-hmm. you're not really like I feel like it's just such a safe space. So like at least the yoga students that I've been to, like no one's really looking at you, no one's judging you. And they kind of set that, uh, I guess, set that like foundation in the practice. So Mm -hmm. was it kind of like when you started doing yoga, you kind of reflected on some of the things you learned about your dance career and like being like, oh, maybe that was like something I could learn from or was not okay. Or, you know, like somewhere you could develop. I think it definitely came like a little bit later into my yoga practice. Cause I mean, like I said, I went pretty much like straight into yoga from like dancing. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I still kind of had that mindset of like, okay, sometimes I, I'm going to expose myself, <laughs> but I was like, I have to be the best yogi in this room. Like I have to yeah. be like busting my ass and like better than everybody else in here. Yeah. No, I'm like still the same. That's embarrassing. (laughs) No, but it's honest. So right. People gotta respect it. Like 
<laughs> exactly. Respect the grind. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but I just remember like getting so frustrated, like when I would fall out of a pose or like not be able to do something like just very much. So going back to that mindset. And so I think like, as I continued my practice, it just kind of came to me like, again, through time of just like, there's gotta be another way than this. And like also going through like my yoga teacher training, like just learning more of like the foundational elements, like of the practice and like why we do certain things and like how you can shift your mindset to take you like, again, deeper internally and deeper into like your physical body to like have, I guess, more of your mindset, like built around that of just like, okay, well, if I fall out of a pose, like now I just laugh at myself a little bit and I get right back into it. And like, that's just what you have to do is like one of the things that it just like always comes up in my style of yoga. And it's like one of the, not one of the pillars, but like just one of the foundations of the practice is like, don't try hard, try easy. And that's Mm. something that like, I've been able to take like from my mat into my life of like, okay, well that went wrong. So (laughs) we'll just try it again. Like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I don't know. I see that with like people in my classes too, where they're just like over efforting and like in that place that I mean, I'm not perfect. I probably still go back to that place sometimes, but like in that place that I was before. And it's just like trying to speak to that of like, don't try hard, try easy, like fall out of it, try again. Like you met your edge, you like found some, like a new place in your practice that you had never experienced before. And then you just move along. Like yeah. one of the things, so one of my favorite podcasts is Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard and Monica mm-hmm. Padman. And it's kind of similar to what you were saying about like, don't try hard, try easy, or don't go hard. What is it? Try hard, go hard. Don't try hard, try easy. Yes. So similar. I love to like achieve and succeed. And they have like this little mantra. I think Dax gets it from uh, his like AA meetings, but it's, we don't seek perfection. We seek progress. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of similar where I'm like, I need to kind of catch myself sometimes and be like, okay, it doesn't really matter if you like embarrass yourself or, you know, you kind of mess up or, you know, you look a little foolish in the gym. Who, who cares? Right. Like, yeah. Part of it is kind of humbling. Cause you're like, okay, no one's actually like watching me like lift this thing or like if they do say it, whatever. Um, so I love that. And I, I too, I would love to speak about, I know like we've been speaking about yoga, but then how you kind of took that and then started to create your, your wellness experience. So if you could like, kind of like walk through that whole progression, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So I, let me try and think. So I found my yoga studio in West Lafayette, like up at Purdue, um, like my freshman year at Purdue. So I was a part of an organization called charge, which is a women's health and wellness organization. So essentially we had like weekly meetings, but they were like weekly workouts, like local studios and professionals. You could like try out a bunch of different kinds of workouts and like find your fit. So as someone who had like never been to the gym, because I was always in the dance studio, like that was great for me. And so that's how I kind of found my studio and was really involved like throughout college with charge, like whether that was leadership at Purdue. And then my senior year, I was like part of the national team. So I was like mentoring women at other colleges and um, during that time I had kind of like been talking with the studio owners and decided to like pursue my teacher certification. 
um, which I felt like I've always felt like I was meant to be in some sort of like teaching capacity, but I guess I never really knew what that looked like. Like I'm also very untraditional. So like, to me, that wasn't like, okay, I'm going to go be a teacher. Like it was something else that I needed to like find and figure out. Um, that's so so it just kind of (laughs) thanks. So yeah, just kind of naturally happened. Like one of the owners one day was like, so have you thought about teacher training? And I was like, Susie, I have a little bit, like, let's chat about it. So ended up doing it fall of 2020. So it was a 200 hour program. So from August to January, we had like eight weekends where we were in the studio, like all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, like taking classes, practice teaching. And then nobody tells you this before you go into your yoga teacher certification, but it's basically like therapy. Like Really? Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. It is a, it's emotionally intense where like, I feel like that's what has really given me the tools to like be able to like start my own business is because you like shed all of the layers of like what your life has like taught you to be to like strip it down and become like who you actually are. Um, so cool. (laughs) Should be just like a part of like life process. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cause like, if you think about it, like yoga teachers are, I mean, seen as kind of like these inspirational people that like you stand in front of people, you are like there to help guide them deeper to themselves. So Mm. I don't know the more you think about it, like if you're not actively doing that work in your own life, like how are you supposed to lead others to do that? So, you know, you kind of work through like, these are the lies I have about myself, like this, how I'm going to get rid of them. And then like step into a place of like, again, this is more like lingo and foundational elements, but like being a yes, um, to like help others do the same. Um, so did that (laughs) finish that January of 2021. Um, and around that time I was again, like I said, working for charge nationals. So my, I was a CLC, which like was a chapter leadership consultant. So I oversaw five chapters and then my like RCL regional chapter lead, she oversaw like five CLCs. Um, so during that time we had started, we had been working together for probably more than six months, probably like seven or eight months. Um, so like had gotten really close, had like worked through challenges together, like kind of do each other's work style. And at the same time that I was pursuing my yoga teacher training, she was pursuing her health and wellness coaching certificate. Um, so I don't know, we were, we would just like chat about it casually and be like, oh yeah, would we like do a retreat in Costa Rica one day? Like whatever, we'll do this, this, and this until one day we were like, okay, wait, why don't we actually just do it? Yeah. 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 Like put pen to paper and like really start. Yeah. And just like figure it out. So we had signed up. This was when like things were still pretty virtual. So a lot of like charge chapters for their weekly workouts had been doing like virtual workouts. So they were able to work with people like nationally. So we signed ourselves up. We were like, okay, you cover a workshop. I'll cover like a 30 minute yoga class and we can like combine for an event and just like see what happens. Almost like a test run of like, okay, are we actually going to do this or not? Um, So from that, I think we had over 30 chapters sign up nationally over like three days, which was close to like a thousand women. So we were like, 
Okay, so maybe we should do that. Yeah, might have something here. Let's let's run with it. Let's yeah. see where it goes. So that was in January and our event was in February. So we were like, okay, we need to get all of this together by February to be able to like launch at these events and like start to gain like a following and like get our name out there pretty much. Yeah. So that's kind of how like our beginnings were. Our anniversary was actually two days ago. So oh my gosh. Happy first birthday, solo flow. (laughs) Yeah. Happy first. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so so cute. It's been a year of that. Um so yeah, really just that like combination. And I I guess I've always been the type of person like again going very very cycle circle back. Um (laughs) where like, I guess I've never really had this idea of like a dream job. Like, I don't know when people grow up, they're just like, well, I want to be like a firefighter, whatever. Yeah. And like, my thing was always, I remember in second grade, like telling one of my teachers, like, well, I want to be a writer when I grow up. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to like write books and like do other things. And that wasn't like a very traditional thing to like have a second grader say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then just like, as I got into high school, I like started a blog just for fun and like always had dreamed of like putting on like a conference or like doing like speaking events and just things like that. I don't, I don't really know. Like that's not really, again, like a job. Yeah. So no, I kind of relate to that though. Like <laughs> very strongly. Yeah. So now it's like, now that like I'm out of college that has a label and that is entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> which like no one tells you you could do that when you're like 14 (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) so so yeah I think like once Anise and I met and like started talking and you know we just talked about like our dreams and I told her like I want to write a book one day I want to be a speaker I'm gonna be a yoga teacher she was like okay cool like I want to do all those things too like let's just do it together and so that's kind of how everything started to come together and has evolved into what it is today yeah no that's a that's a great origin story of just like <laughs> like kind of stumbling your um stumbling through the path and be like oh like I enjoy yoga like how can I tie that into now mm-hmm. entrepreneurship as you know like writing those blogs and kind of getting your name yeah. out there and like taking advantage of the opportunity that you saw with charge and um like getting your yoga certification so that you can kind of like grow like yourself at, with the same time as, you know, your like business and your community. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm curious too, and I probably should know this, but for like yoga certifications, is it kind of the same thing across the board, like nationally or internationally, or is it like you have to, it's like different kind of across like whatever certification you choose? Yeah. So there's an organization called Yoga Alliance and they kind of set standards for like 200 hour yoga teacher certification programs. So like pretty much like if you're, if you do like a 200 hour, like certified yoga Alliance program, then you can kind of teach anywhere. There are like different styles of yoga though. So like I don't know, like the sequence might be a little bit different and like the foundational elements might be a little bit different, but like all of the poses are the same, like all of the pillars of the practice, like your breath, your gaze, your foundation, like all of that is the same, like across the board. So I personally am trained in Baptiste yoga, which was founded like 
in the 90s, I think, maybe before that, um, <laughs> by like a guy named Baron Baptiste who had evolved this like style from other like yoga teachers that he had like learned from. So it's, it's always evolving and like everybody's training might be a little bit different, which would just make like the sequencing different. But like I said, the foundational elements across the board are the same. So like I teach at two different studios. One of them is a Baptiste studio and one of them isn't, but I'm able to like evolve and adapt my teaching style to like the standards of each of those studios because I have those foundational elements. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing that I wanted to ask you too, is like, what has been some of the best and some of the worst, if you're comfortable sharing, um, like experiences or like hurdles or struggles or victories that you've had with starting soul and flow. Yeah. So kind of a loaded question. I know. But. <laughs> I know I'm like, <laughs> let me think about this. <laughs> um, okay. Should I start with the best or the worst? I would say worse and then we can end it. Okay. Then we can go up from there. So starting a business is really hard. Yeah, (laughs) There are a lot of things to think about and consider, especially like I started when I was a full-time student and then now I have a full-time job. So I, it makes me kind of sad because I think like the hardest part is like, I wish that I could be giving so much more to it because like, that's my dream. And -hmm. I know that at one point in my life, like I will be able to do that because like, I mean, our goal is to like scale it to a point that like soul and flow is my job. Maybe I teach some like classes at studios on the side, or maybe soul and flow like evolves into like a brick and mortar studio. But like, that's something that I really struggle with is like feeling guilty, I guess, if I'm not like working on my passion project. Right. Um, And that's something like audience and I have had to like talk a lot about because we are like a business founded upon like self-care so it's like if we're not caring for ourselves then we can't do our missions so it's like some days a week like I do just need to sit in my apartment and like not think about it or not do anything and I feel like both of us are good at like setting those boundaries with each other um I also just think it's hard like I don't know building like something around community is a lot harder for people to buy into than just like I'm going to sell this product, which like, there are different challenges that come across with both of those, but like community is very abstract (laughs) versus like, I need to hit like X amount of sales for this month. Like there are elements of that again, like I said, because we like have goals for however many people we want to like be in our postgrad community and like join our events. But like, it can be very hard to sell like community to someone. And especially like in this post-grad demographic that we're trying to target, like everyone is so different. Like we don't have a set target audience. Like literally everybody is doing something like completely just 180 from the person next to them. So that can make things difficult too. When you're like, believe in your mission and you're trying to grow it and scale it, but it's like, how do you, reach those people. And again, like, how do you sell community? Like that's been really tough and something that we've had to like experiment with a lot over the past year. It's it's interesting hearing you say like setting those boundaries with each other and that you're good at it, which I think is great because it, mm-hmm. it's a tricky uh, road to navigate, like no matter like work or personal or what have you. And hearing you talk about it, I'm like, dang, that would be really cool if 
I had someone also that I could like set boundaries to and kind of hold myself accountable to like Mm -hmm. both the self-care side and the like, you know, growing your passion project. And I know we were talking a little bit about this before we started um, recording this episode, but I, I kind of relate to that of like feeling guilty of like, oh, this is something that I'm super passionate about, but Mm -hmm. because of, you know, our work and our social lives and just self-care and everything else. And, you know, the newest episode of what, whatever uh, show is coming out, like sometimes you just have to be okay with like setting aside the computer and like work. But then I, I do kind of fall into that trap of like, Oh, I haven't been working on this as much as I have been like, what am I not doing um, to kind of like scale and grow this community? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a business, but even just like the podcast alone takes up so much of my time. So I cannot yeah. imagine having a business and teaching on the side. Um, it sounds extremely hectic, but mm-hmm. very, it's- very impressed. Yeah. It's so interesting too, because something that we think about a lot, we had a workshop on this. If you're interested <laughs> in wellness topics like this, yes. follow soul of flow, <laughs> we'll get you in. Um, but we did like an energy management workshop and something, I'm just going to pull out some wise words for my business partner. here. Please do. She, Please do. she always says like, you have all of the time in the world, but you might not have all of the energy in the world. So like making that distinction between like your time and your energy, like, yeah, I might have time. Like last night, I just sat here and like watched the stupid show and read my book versus like working on stuff. But like, I didn't have the energy to like give what I needed to give to like the soul and flow work that needed to be done. So it's just interesting of like thinking about your time versus your energy and like how you recharge and manage that, like with your self-care. And as you say that too, which I love, but I remember my boss, my current boss telling me mm-hmm. like how natural it is. We were at, um, we were just like chatting about what well, is my performance review, but it was, um, like <laughs> casual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was just like how natural it is to like ebb and flow in your energy and dedication. She was talking about like, you know, work of course, but then just even outside of work of like, sometimes you'll be really motivated to get a lot done and you'll be super passionate about it and like everything's clicking. And then sometimes, you know, you can like fall into like an ebbing part of the part of your journey where it's like, okay, why am I not motivated as much? Why don't I have as much energy? Like what's going on? What do I need to prioritize? And she was like, that is completely natural. So she, it was kind of like her advice that she was imparting on me, which I very much appreciated, but it sounds like we, you know, kind of relate to that advice as well of needing to give ourselves ourselves a little bit of time and energy to like refill our cups however that looks yeah and even thinking about that like in relationships like it makes Mm -hmm. me think like having a business partner is probably one of the most unique relationships that you can have and like no one really again like no one really describes that to you of like we're friends but we basically have like a baby together but we're also like <laughs> legally bonded and like yeah. you're not married but then you're trying to like make money together so it's just very confusing so yeah. again like managing that those like ebbs and flows where sometimes like I'll just be going through something and like not be able to like give a hundred percent so like that requires on needs to give like 120 percent and so it's like that give and take like between two people to like try to make it work and 
I don't know. That's something that like I've had to really grow in in the past year because I don't, I don't love to admit when I need help or like (laughs) when I'm not doing great on something again, because of that, like those like guilty feelings, it's almost like shame, even like if we wanted to put a deeper label on it of like, I don't want to ask for help because I feel like I should be able to do it all. And I signed up for this, so I'm going to do it. And you don't want to just, yeah, you don't want to burden someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had to have some like really tough conversations about that. And really it just comes down to like her being like, you're fine. Like I'll take this on, like you'll do it for me when it comes up. So, um, that business partner relationship is just very unique. I mean, I think that's the healthiest business relationship you could have is like, (laughs) you know, being honest with each other and saying, this is like, you might have to pick up some of, um, like some of these things while I recharge and I'll do the same for you when it's your Mm -hmm. time. And that kind of brings me to like, what have been the most successful or impactful things that you've, um, like experiences you've had around soul and flow? Yeah. So, oh, I'm like, I'm having such a hard time pinpointing it because I feel like there's specific moments and then there's like overarching things where I feel like specific moments are just like after events that we have where I just feel like this was worth it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like our first, our first couple of like workshops and events where we had like pretty high numbers, like people were really engaged. So we still have an engaged community, but you know, after that, like initial launch, it's just like all the excitement is buzzing. Like I just remember those moments of pride of like, like we created that and like we brought together people that like wouldn't have never met if it wasn't for soul and flow. And I feel that way now, especially about like our post-grad community. Like we have like four or five women in that where it's like, we had one in North Carolina and one in Oregon and one in Nashville. And it's like, again, those people never would have come together and like impacted not only like me and Anais, but like each other. Um, if it wasn't for soul and flow. So I think like, that's just rewarding, like being a people person and they know too, like I've had a couple of them, like, we'll just text every once in a while and just like check in. And I think that that's good. And they're like neutral people in my life. Like they get, they get some sides of things where I'm like, all right, here it is. Y'all. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's also yeah. just, and it's also just like, I don't know, like a more like neutral supportive relationship. Um, so that's been, that's been really like fulfilling. And then I think also just like the ability to like stretch ourselves creatively and our passion areas has been really fulfilling of like, I don't, get to help people meditate at my nine to five or like or do you no <laughs> hey I'm actually working on this <laughs> that's incredible oh my gosh we'll have to have you back on to talk about I know. <laughs> my work is like you want to teach yoga classes in the break room and I'm like yeah I actually do so <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh that's incredible I'm so I'll give an update on that <laughs> please please do but but yeah it's just like being able to do something 100% in your passion area. And I think like 100% like for myself too, um, just as somebody who's like always wanted to be an entrepreneur, like that's super fulfilling of like, there are no boundaries. Like I just Mm -hmm. get to create what I want to create. And so like last year we did like a meditation challenge and I love writing and I love like guided meditations and taking people through that. And I never would have like discovered that passion if it wasn't for like 
this project that we just put in action and put out there and sold to some people. So um, just like continuing to find what that is. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine those would be some of the most like rewarding uh, points when you get to see like the true value add and the people that you're meeting. Cause I'm also a people person. So yeah. I, I very much, um, relate to that, but this has been amazing. Um, uh, just having you talk and hearing more about your story and your journey is fascinating. We have so much in common too, which I didn't yes. realize. I, um, I also like was injured in college. And so like through athletics, um, and just like the burnout and the, everything we've talked about. I was just like, yes, check, check, check. (laughs) Um, but this has been so much fun. It's been so cool to hear you just kind of walk me through soul and flow and everything that kind of led you up to that point. So thank you genuinely for taking the time, um, out of your busy, 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 busy (laughs) life. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me chat. I guess we'll have to get coffee after this. I know. Yeah. Catch up a little bit more, but it's been good. So thank you for just, again, letting me ramble on about about life. I love these types of conversations. Me too.